Hey everyone, thanks for joining the podcast. This is episode eight, and this week I spoke with Chris Priest. Chris bought a church and converted it into a state-of-the-art recording studio. I saw it with my own eyes, and it was pretty badass. Uh, I like Chris a lot. I've known Chris for a long time. He's a, a super wise guy for his age, and he has a very cool outlook on life. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about the importance of community. We talked about the artistic process. And interestingly, uh, taking a path in your life, in your career, that you didn't quite expect. So I hope you enjoyed it, or I hope you enjoy it. And uh, without further ado, here's Chris. Because if you look at historically speaking, Detroit has been one of the greatest outputters of culture and music in the world. And consistently over decades and decades. Hey, buddy. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. My pleasure. You know, it's really awesome to reconnect with you. And I mean that very sincerely because, you know, through this process of doing this podcast, it's it's allowed me to reconnect with people that I lost contact with, quite frankly, Mm -hmm. didn't expect to reconnect with. And, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just kind of a a fact of life. You know, people grow older, you know, they have families, they're into their career. Definitely. And by doing this, it's allowed me to reconnect. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you reaching out. I mean, it's been, we had a great time last week hanging out in our (laughs) pre-interview meeting. Yeah, it was good, man. You know, because you catch up and, you know, you're just like, you know, hey, how have you been? What's going on? It's kind of like my own personal High school reunion, you know? (laughs) I like that a lot. It it was very enjoyable. So it's interesting to see how people have changed over the years, and you certainly have. You know, I I know a certain version of Chris, but, you know, I got this tip, and they're like, hey, man, (laughs) you need to talk to Chris Breest because Chris is doing some really cool shit in the the recording world. So let's talk about from the beginning the evolution of, I would even say, start with your 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 childhood story because i've listened to other podcasts of your your story about how it built up to you acquiring Mm -hmm. the 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 church to become the studio and then i had some strange i've had weird experiences kind of early since early but i i guess everybody has this you know i was born and in the process of being born i was stabbed in the eye with forceps by the doctor who which blinded me in my right eye I would never be able to tell yeah, if yeah. I didn't hear that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm dead serious. But, but, but why, why forceps in an eyeball well, is the question. Well, when you're being uh, delivered, doctors use forceps to help guide the baby out. And, oh. or, you know, I don't really know why, but okay. it's a okay. tool that's okay. used okay. in childbirth. And so... It sounds like a torture they, device they to me. They made a, a mistake. Obviously, the doctor damaged my eye. I, I was born, basically born that way, so I didn't really notice any difference other than it sucked out and wear an eye patch like a little pirate when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, you probably loved it. <laughs> how many <laughs> years then, are you a pirate for Halloween? <laughs> every year. <laughs> but, like, you know, so fast forward, you know, it, it was a weird thing that I didn't really think much about, but when I turned 18, my it turns out my parents had sued. And this is in the early 80s. I was born in 81, so they probably sued and settled in 83 or something. And when I was five, we moved from Livonia to Plymouth. Well, it turns out they used, I think I, the settlement was like $60,000. Okay. My parents got 20 and I got 40. The 20 grand. That's a lot of money in the 80s. In the 80s, yeah, it was decent. But it was also early in the 80s. By the end of the 80s, you had this thing where like uh, old lady got coffee spilled on her and she sued McDonald's oh, for a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of changed. Bro, pump the brakes. Were... I got served some really hot <laughs> coffee at McDonald's the other day. I only, if she didn't their, put the lid on it. They haven't learned their lesson. I thought about spilling it on my own lap. <laughs> but go on. But, but the suing boom kind of happened in the 80s, uh, a little bit after my issue happened. And people, I think there was an understanding like, hey, fuck these big corporations or these big, you know, insurance uh, protected uh, entities. And we can sue sue for millions of dollars. Well, my parents got, like I said, I believe like 60 grand, 20 grand went to putting a down payment on the house in Plymouth that I lived in and grew up in. And it was my childhood home after I was five. And the other 40 grand was invested unbeknownst to me. 
my parents never told me about this uh, for till I was 18. And then around 17 or so, my parents had gotten divorced. So my mom was like, oh, hey, you know, you got some money. I think you got like 50 grand into a high school kid. $50,000 might as well be like $50 million. It's a it's ton. Like, it's I a had ton. no savings account. Right. I had no anything. I was just some asshole kid. Was like, <laughs> I'm going to go to Schoolcraft and take some classes, I guess, when I graduate. So I... Uh, my mom told indicated that I had some money and I, I went to my dad and he was upset because clearly he well he wanted to be the one to tell me this I guess because he felt okay. like he had yeah that makes sense I'd he, be a little bummed out and, and my parents never told me about that but they had me working since I was like 14 I was working on Saturdays got a worker's permit and, so they and were they, they were driving the work ethic in yeah, yeah as, as I'm sure most parents do but but my mom would ask me like well what would you do if you had some money and what would you and and kind of helping me to think about that instead of just like oh I buy a fucking Ferrari and, but you didn't realize it at the time she was, was you think connected to the question uh, you were it almost like being a, groomed yeah of course wow. I think all of your our parents on some level there's a you know grooming has a weird connotation nowadays when people say that but 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 yeah in a real sense they were they were definitely trying to at least my mom was and my dad doing it in a much more silent obscure opaque way trying to get me prepared to you know just whether or not there was money or not but just for life man there's something in there so i turned 18 and he's like, all right, we're going to go talk to these lawyers. And I was like, I don't really understand what that is, but I think I got like 50 grand. And it turned out I had, at the time, it was like $285,000. What? what? It's a quarter million dollars. Yeah. And I'm a fucking loser that hasn't done, I mean, I didn't have a savings account. I didn't have a checking account. I had no accounts and no money. It's like, boom. And then it was like, then I had Happy this birthday. weird existential crisis of like, well, I didn't earn this money. I didn't oh. do anything for this. There's people that work their whole lives that don't have that much money. And I have it as an 18-year-old kid. Should I donate it to charity? Should I buy a fucking Lamborghini? <laughs> what, what, what do you do with that? And at the time, it was like, you know, you're talking to lawyers and investment people that, that only get paid if you keep in the game. So they were like, this is why you don't want to sell. Because I was like, sell it all. Give me, let's sell off the two hundred and eighty-five thousand. I'll figure it out. And they said, "No, you don't want to do that. You want to." Yeah, because they're making they're making money off of it. Yeah, I didn't really understand that at the time, but but they had done a great job. You know, taking forty and making it two eighty in fifteen years is not a bad return on your investment, right? No. Good for you, man. Yeah. So so at that time, I kind of went through a weird thing, and they they convinced me to just leave it in the market. So. This is 1999. 2001 happens, and uh, all of a sudden, 9/11 happens, and the market collapses a little bit. Not not as bad as it did in 2008, but but significantly. And I watched a hundred thousand dollars evaporate out of you know, and, and that's when I was like, out of a process you don't necessarily understand. Of course not. Yeah, and and I started to realize like why. As an 18 year old kid, am I investing in these companies that I'm giving them money to kind of live out their dreams? Which, again, that's not really true. But you're giving, you're investing in a company. You're giving them your money to do what they want to do with it, and hopefully it goes up and you make money together. But I started being like, well, why wouldn't I just invest in myself and the things that that I want to do and the dreams that I have? Because it just seemed fucking ridiculous to say. Oh yeah, I'm an 18 year old kid. I wanna, you know, I'm gonna invest my money so that when I'm 50, I can do what I want to do. It was like I have money right now. I want to invest in doing what I want to do right now, and so I kind of called it reverse retirement because I was like, I'm happy to work till the day I die, but I'm gonna live the prime years of my life doing whatever the fuck I want to do and how I want to do it, and I have money to do that, and that is a gift. That should not be squandered because most people never in their wildest dreams nope. have that. And I was a nope. middle class kid. I wasn't like built in like, well, your parents are millionaires. You're going to have that millions of dollars. They were not that. And I was not grown, you know, raised with that mentality. And so I, so 280, 100's gone down to 180. I bought a truck for 20 grand when I was 18. So 160, I went to Western for 
four years, five years. That was about 40 grand down to 120. And then I lived from 18 to 23 off of about 10, 15,000 a year. Worked, but really just had the opportunity to go hang around people that I admired and loved and looked up to and work for them for free. You're and super fortunate, though, man. I mean, just the fact that you were able to go to college, yeah, unbelievable. go to college for one and then be able to pay for it on your own. Absolutely. What's it, that it, psychology? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. It, it, it was never lost on me because I felt extremely privileged and it also helped kind of really solidify the fact that I needed to make sure that I gave back as much as I could and, and try to help other people as much as I could. Because again, when I first saw I had that money, I was like, well, I can give it to charity and I can feel okay, you know, but then it's like, well, but maybe you can do more following your own path and encouraging yourself. And I didn't go buy a, an expensive car, but, but I was able to have three grand of money when I was 23 years old to get into right. that church. And I can tell you there's a laundry list of people that I have participated in their development. There are students that we've helped get careers. There's charities that we built, uh, one of them called Giving Songs, where we record music for free. And we've raised, I don't know, a few hundred thousand dollars helping multi-disabled kids get vehicles for their families. Because if a kid has a, a multiple disabilities, to outfit a car is about $40,000. And those are things that, like, now I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm feeling okay about taking that money and, and kind of, you know, living an amazing experience from 18 to 23. And when I ran out of that money, I had to start working. I had to start making money. Yeah, but I was going to say, is there some anxiety there seeing that balance just oh, decrease, yeah. decrease, but decrease? But, I mean, it's also like if that's the worst problem you have is watching your chunk of money that you have poor me i'm sure there's a lot of people shedding tears about this struggle i had to feel the stress of watching that money go away now my dad was like ready to disown me because i dropped out of college followed my passions and 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 kind of did my own thing but those five years i built so much momentum and inertia because i could do exactly what i wanted and i wasn't i had plenty of fun i did plenty of stupid shit but I didn't I, I, I still had a vision of what I was trying to do and it really helped you know help build momentum. So when I ran out of money I needed to start working, I could start, you know, accepting that. Which was maybe that was the first time before I was twenty eight when I got sick that I had to kind of deal with reality because now the money's basically gone. Right. And now you gotta do something with what you've what do you what have I been doing the last five years and is that gonna turn into something? So But certainly without a doubt, I mean it, it's given you the ability as as a tool to get to where you are today, right? Yeah, and I always try to be honest about that because I think sometimes people don't wanna show their cards and say like, Hey man, I had I had some help and it was financial help. And, and yeah, sure, I could have squandered it, but like, y you don't need to edit out the things that aren't so cool. <laughs> you have to be honest and, yeah. and honest with yourself and also honest with people. I'm a huge believer in transparency as much as possible, especially in business, because it allows you to identify people that are trying to take advantage of a not so transparent situation, which is. When, when you don't have clear uh, understandings of things, people can take advantage of you and others. And, and, and building transparency is, is some way that eliminates bullshit and eliminates your ability to have bullshit and other people's ability to use their bullshit against you because everyone is talking the same language and I don't get to tell you one story and tell this person a story. If you tell the honest truth all the time, it might not make you look as cool, but it, it it eliminates other people to be able to take advantage of your story. It's amazing how people are manipulative yeah. on a personal level, on a business, uh, you know, interaction level, and we all have these defense mechanisms and and, and things that we want to omit or things that we want to bend that'll that'll eventually benefit us. Mm -hmm. It sounds very abstract, but I'm I, I th I'm sure you understand what I'm no, saying. It, it, you know, it's a real thing. And, and I, I think it'd be a better world if we we're all a little more transparent. Yeah, and it, it just, you know, we all have those tendencies to want to manipulate, and we all do that. As kids, we manipulate. We figure out mom, 
will allow us to do this. And then if we go to dad and say this <laughs> and he's mad at mom, then he'll let me do that. And that's, and, a good and point. that's just a, that's a natural skill that everybody learns, but to be conscious of what can be done in an absolute value sort of way is really important. I think if you're a talented, powerful person, you can do just as much bad as you can. Good. And it's up to you as an individual to try to be the arbiter of, of what you're doing and, and decide to do the right things and to do the difficult things because they are right as opposed to take advantage of your power that you may have and to use it for only self-serving reasons. Yeah, it's interesting because you say only for self-serving reasons, but it seems like a lot of the things that you're doing is very selfless. You know, I, I, you know, when I reconnect with you, I think about your studio and my impression is, oh, you know, Chris is in the studio. He's partying, you know, he's, 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 he's doing it like I see it in the movies, but you know, there's, there's a lot more to you. There's, there's a more dynamic Chris Priest, right. And you're involved in the community and you're giving back to the community. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not easy to pinpoint exactly what you do in a sense, because what you do seems very fluid. Yeah. Right. And, and you're transparent and you're willing to evolve. And it's honestly, since connecting with you, it's, it's pretty fascinating to see because I listen to your stories and I just, I sit in awe. Oh, I appreciate that. I've, I've been extremely lucky and extremely privileged in so many ways that I feel like it's only a, it's the right thing to do anyways, because I feel like people that are selfish and, 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 and self-centered and self-serving are stupid because if you really want the most out of the world, if you give to people, you get back in a, a magnitude greater than what you've given out back to you. So I always look at selfish people and, and people that I think are doing it wrong is just dumb because if they really wanted to get the highest return on their investment as a human, they would be decent and kind and giving to people because it in my experience the return is so much greater and thankfully for me that's just like part of my person and i feel naturally it's easy for me to do that but and sadly people think that the only return is is money yeah money but it's so much term thing but know. based on what you're saying it's so much deeper than that mm-hmm. absolutely it's just Again, I can only talk about my experience, but the the things and the approach of, of just trying to genuinely do what's best for everyone, you know, what what what's the truth, what what is good for everyone, and and you don't have to go to school or learn how to read or or anything to to know that we're all built with those those things where you can just sense when something's wrong. Yeah, and there's some fundamental truths there. Yeah, and it's it's just about being decent people to one another and caring for one another. And thankfully, I, I see a lot of people that are naturally, hopefully all of us naturally know what that is. And, and, and maybe you have to learn how to be other than that. And maybe that's the, the, the downsides of us are taught more than uh, are inherent to our beings. But, but I, I, I do think that if we all spent a little more time trying to pay it forward and, and, and recognize the privileges we have and, and, and to help those who don't have as much, that the, the return on that is so much greater than anything you can, can get from, from shorting somebody on something or, or taking a little more for yourself. It's it, it's it's self-evident in so many ways, but we lie to ourselves, even though the it's right there, plain That's as intense. day. You That's know? super intense, man. No, it's true. It's like you're you're not one part; you're a whole person, and you have to take care of all of the aspects of your being and 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 how you interact with the community around you and people around you, and and even you know it sounds it sounds funny to me because I in the last year, about a year and a half ago, I joined the Rotary 
Okay, really? the rotary. <laughs> really? You, I don't even know what the rotary is. Well, I, my old understanding was that it was just a bunch of old people, and I didn't old even women. know what they did. Yeah, old women, old men. I I don't some know sort what of civic was. thing. And uh, some some business friends of mine that are around my age had kind of talked to me about, hey, we were, we got involved in this this organization, and it's a charitable organization. It's a community based organization, and it's something that. You know, as a business person or as a just a human in a society and in a culture, or in a community, you you need to not forget that you are part of a, a group of people. You know, you have a community, and you need to 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 service that part of the world too. And those know? people know who you are; they support yeah, you. Yeah, you know, and, and, and it's been amazing to connect with a, a fellow Rotarians <laughs> because I, I, I see, you know, in Plymouth they do a, a chicken dinner every year, and they raise fifty, sixty, seventy—I don't know what the number is—every year, and all of that gets funneled back into scholarships for students, to outreach for people, to charitable causes, both locally nationally and internationally and it's not something that these people from my vantage point are doing because there's some political end or some do you need to be like a business owner though no, to like join the rotary to, you have to be sponsored somebody in the rotary has to say uh, i'd like you to, to to join you show up to some meetings you know what do I, you get out of it though like is it just feel good for it, 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 it's it's okay. all right all right so is it, it's i would imagine networking everything's about, any okay. club you join is about networking for right? networking and and full disclosure part of the reason i was interested in it was because i said wow there's a lot of business leaders involved there's a lot of people that don't I don't cross paths with in my social circle being in the music industry or being in the audio engineering or educational industry. And as I've gotten older, I've been interested in constantly trying to put myself into places that I wouldn't immediately feel comfortable or just normal, naturally find myself around these people. It's a lot of people that are, you know, the Rotarians tend to be older. You know, they're we're, they're trying to work on you know recruiting younger people and, and sort of re-energizing that because it's a constant. You know, you need to recruit young people in anything. You know, it's just like a farm team. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> but 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 with the the initial reasons, I was I was kind of open to the idea. And also knowing knowing that it's a charitable organization, so I felt good about that. I've tried to with our business you know, develop some of those relationships. But once you start meeting these people and you realize that to a person, they were all genuinely interested in doing good things for people and, 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 and doing positive things for their local community, their state, their national and international community. And I think that's a, uh, the sort of thing that needs to be in, reinforced and encouraged, especially, you know, I'm in my 30s, you're in your 30s. That that younger generations need to really acknowledge and start to participate in. Yeah, you know what I I really appreciate about everything you just said is that it, it's one, it is uh, an awareness of self, right? Mm -hmm. Awareness of of being able to pivot and and evolve into something, mm -hmm. right? Something that maybe you didn't see before. And then there's the second aspect of like integrating yourself within the community. Yeah. So it's self-awareness, it's community awareness, and it, it helps you become a better whole. Would you agree yeah, with that? Absolutely. I mean, that's, again, it, it, it's something that I didn't even really understand why I was doing it in a, in a clear way that I could have articulated at the beginning. But after, you know, I've only been a member for maybe a year or less but but just just seeing you know we, we have this covid pandemic and we can't do the chicken dinner <laughs> okay and that's a big <laughs> fundraiser for the for the organization and they it's a bummer said, it sounds awesome they, they said you know what when we is need it normally did uh, it already pass fall fest uh. there's they they i think it's like 10 or 20,000 chicken dinners they make and okay. i worked in the pit last year cooking <laughs> barbecue chickens i smelled like chicken for like a week really just slathering it up with barbecue it was disgusting <laughs> but it was amazing like, what am i doing you know nobody's getting paid nobody's you know it, it was a true communal uh sort of drive and 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 so this isn't going to happen and and they started saying well then we're not going to raise any funds 
we're going to do a can a food drive. We're going to do things to raise, you know, food and personal items and clothing and donate that to, to the Salvation Army or whatever. And, and just the idea of constantly trying to be focused on others and not mm-hmm. just my financial or business success, I, I really think is just a an important part of, of again, that holistic approach to, to not uh, neglecting any of these different aspects of our lives. And, you know, it's cool. I, I completely respect that. And it's this idea of community and we have a local community and then we have a larger community and we're part of this larger organism that is Detroit. Right. Mm-hmm. And you certainly being in that audio recording space, it, how do you feel like being part of that, that, that fabric? I mean, I know there's not many recording studios across Detroit, correct? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, there's probably more than the average person would think. But there is not a traditional music industry here in Detroit. Yeah, isn't that weird? I had somebody tell me that there's a lot of lacking. Because if you look at historically speaking, Detroit has been one of the greatest outputters of culture and music in the world. And consistently over decades and decades. But for some reason, the industry really isn't here in in a... tangible and and in a significant way but maybe that's part of what helps cultivate all of these grassroots groups because it's harder and there isn't so many easy you know there isn't money here to to if you if you're going to make something you have to very much do it yourself sure and you have to create your own scene and your own thing and 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 detroit has always been sort of these siloed you know disparate things where you have the hip-hop crew or the the techno crew or the you know the the rock or the the hard rock or the detroit rock, rock city <laughs> yeah there's, and it's really not even just detroit it's 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 the the southeastern michigan the metro detroit area there's so much i mean if you go back from motown through you know the white stripes through madonna uh, you know, there's just we could list off dozens of of bands, but also genre defining groups. You know, so yeah. I think it's a even Red Hot Chili Peppers, Anthony Kiedis. You know, yeah, there, there's so much Detroit connection. Even as I've traveled around, it's like you, you go to L.A. or you go to New York or, or Toronto or Nashville, for that matter. The, you're inevitably going to run into somebody and usually multiple people with strong Detroit connections, either that they are from here or they spent a lot of time here. You think that's like a badge of honor years. for people to be like, yeah, I record in Detroit or I'm from Detroit. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, yeah, I, I think it's, I think really it's more of a respect from the outside of Detroit. You know, it, that's it, what I mean. I, I feel nobody like, cares when you're here. <laughs> yeah. Here, I, from I think here. everyone play. There's so many per capita musicians in the Detroit metropolitan area. And when we would travel around and you realize, wow, there, so you guys don't all play guitar. You don't all like have a band or do some <laughs> kind of creative endeavor. And, and here, I think it's just kind of baked into our, to our genetics in, in the Detroit area of just wow. creation. And, and, and there's something about it. I don't, I don't know what the reason is or the mix of cultures and and what's created that but it's happened over and over and over again and it continues to happen to this day i feel it's like it's gotta so. be it's it's gotta be the mix of cultures and people that's what and also i believe the struggle. firmly I feel, I feel like there's a lot of struggle here you know right. you don't you don't have record labels I, I don't think anywhere anymore but in the past signing people to big contracts traditionally and and that i think the the struggle of that makes you more original more strongly convicted to what you believe in and and not so willing to just switch up your yourself and your style because oh this is the new cool thing so we're gonna sound like this yeah you know it kind of it kind of uh how do i put this so it's it's interesting because you think that good music wouldn't necessarily come out of nashville and it might sound a little controversial to say that but you know, Nashville sounds like an awesome city. Everybody I've talked to has been like, Nashville's awesome, right? But you think that the best music and the best art comes out of the, the grimiest, grittiest cities, right? Yeah. 
Like, yeah. like I watch this um, real quick. Sorry. No, yeah. watch this, uh, this documentary hip hop evolution, right? Mm-hmm. Where it talked about oh, rap. Yeah. It. Amazing. So Amazing. Again, when you start to really understand on a granular level, I how sounded these people like came around and started <laughs> I to be sounded like, oh, like what, the, the, the whitest white guy yeah. talking about hip hop evolution, mm-hmm. right? But it was it's such amazing. a cool thing yeah. to just see how hip hop really evolved, you know, mm-hmm. starting out in Queens and the East Coast. Yeah, and just, just what that really was, you know, because as, by the time something gets to the masses, it's it's already been changed in some ways you know it's really hard to get a raw at least in the previous decades maybe now it's because of the the way that we consume music and the way you can you know we could make a song right now and in 20 minutes we could upload it online and it's available that that fundamentally is a different thing that has ever existed before but like back then there was like an essence there was like a coolness to it there was like an underground to it yeah yeah, it's a. I don't know. I think that's one of the things that's always intrigued me about music is that there isn't a playbook that you can follow. There isn't a, you know, this plus this equals this every time. If right. it was, the big studios, the expensive studios would always put out the best stuff. But and people have that misconception as as artists. They come in, they think they're just going to kill it on the first take, oh, right? Yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, yeah. I got four hours, I got one hour of music. And that's where, you know, I always talk about the process of making music or art in general. Is it's When you're ignorant to the process, you, you expect, like, I'm just going to go in and we... You know, I don't know. Something's going to happen in there and it's going to come out being amazing. (laughs) And that just doesn't exist. It doesn't, it's never existed that way. It never will exist that way. Even if it appears as a band came out of nowhere and is super successful and has, you know, everything I wanted. And and they're just, you know, it's like Greta Van Fleet. Some kids we worked with before they got with Alan made their hit records. They're just a bunch of kids just like any other of the thousands of bands that exist right now with young kids. and But they had been playing since they were 12, 11, 12 years old in bars, in bars, in Frankenmuth, playing three hours, four hours a night, three, four, five nights a week. And, and then all of a sudden you see them, you know, explode and come out. Where'd they come from? These guys came out of no... There is no overnight success, you know, that doesn't exist. It never has... Everything has been, you know, cultivated and built and there's more people involved than you could ever imagine and there's more struggle involved than you can ever imagine. And it's also fleeting. You know, what what is Greta Van Fleet doing today? I don't right. know. To stay you know, relevant. Hopefully right. they're they're doing great stuff, but but it you, you don't earn like some sort of long-term thing. You have to constantly be fighting and struggling to even if you're at the top, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to write another song that anybody wants to hear. Wow, and, that's a great point. And it, it's something that they all face because they know, every artist knows that your legacy is great, but, but you as an artist want to constantly be putting stuff out, and you don't usually want to put out what you already did do. Yeah, and yeah. the business side of the music industry wants you to replicate successful things. You made this fucking hamburger, we want you to make 10 million more of these because they sell. <laughs> And an artist naturally wants to change. You know, you look right. at bands like Radiohead. They uh, plenty of bands, but but they no. Let's talk about Radiohead. I want to hear you. I want to hear your specific. view on Radiohead. I've, I've always been a huge fan of them, but they didn't do things I wanted. You know, like I loved OK Computer and I loved the Benz these records. So I just as a fan, well, make more of that. Give me more of that. That's right. not right. That's not what an artist does. They're not making stuff to appease your needs or wants. (laughs) At least they shouldn't be, because that's not what it is. That's not what good art and good music is. It's it's something that is challenging you, that you have to... I remember listening to Kid A and be like, what what the fuck is this electronic drum shit? (laughs) You know? And now, like... Kids they're like, oh, what do you mean? Like, I heard there's a great documentary out there that I got to see. And my my buddy just told me about it just the other week, and he was saying, he goes, look, you know, they they when they blew up, it was a hard thing for them to kind of wrap their head around, yeah. especially Tom York, right? So he's he's talking about like how much we value celebrity in this country, right, mm-hmm. and how it's just we hold them at a different level, yeah, and it, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And he was following that trajectory, and it was just a hard thing to digest. Yeah, and I would imagine for anyone, whatever it is, whether it's acting or 
painting or photography, any creative discipline, success is a something that I feel like is baked into something we all want. We all want acknowledgement and and validation of what we're doing. Right. But at the same time, it's this slippery slope of like that doesn't really have anything. To, you make your best art when you aren't concerned with what somebody else is going to think about it. You do it because of whatever you're feeling inside and whatever your drive is. And the best stuff tends to not be driven by like, oh, well, uh, I need to sound like Kanye more. And, <laughs> and if I could add some modern elements, then it'll be great. That's just not, that's bullshit. And, and it's hard because as an industry, th- there's a business there and you need to make a product and sell it. And, and creativity doesn't follow those rules. It doesn't fit into a, a, a manufacturable thing, you know, as much as you look at Motown and things where they kind of, took an assembly line approach to it. Yeah, I can see you know, that. And they had success, but I would say it was in spite of the the you know, the assembly line approaches that were implemented, but there's also specific to that that era and time that made sense. But but generally speaking, I think that creativity and art in general just flies in the face of business and in a manufacturable commodity that you can output sure but i mean when it's all about money i mean you want a recipe that works and when it Mm -hmm. comes to art obviously it's super difficult Mm -hmm. uh as a side tangent i was at the detroit historical museum just last week and they got this whole like display on motown which is very cool man it's it's a very cool thing to see and reconnect with and i i would encourage anybody in the detroit area to go to that museum detroit historical museum see see the aretha franklin and the 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 supreme displays it's it's yeah. very cool but i still haven't made it to, to motown museum me either you know Honestly, and i i feel it's bad it's I, embarrassing I, but you know i i also think that you don't have to to go to motown no not to, at all. to 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 appreciate and to to celebrate it you know just like you I'm not going to get you don't have to go to Mecca <laughs> to be a Muslim. <laughs> yes, yes. It is an important part of their journey, but some people can't do It's a do personal it. journey as well. Yeah. Right. And I think that you just, you know, you can celebrate and, and, and embody something with your actions and, and, and controlling what you can control and, and participating in the way you can participate. But to the point of what you were saying, you, you really are, when you when you reach that strata of, of celebrity as an artist, you are only good as your last song or your last record. And I would imagine that pressure is, is something that none of us know. No, and, and it's something that we somehow ignorantly strive for is like, that's the answer. If I just had more money or if I just had more recognition or if I just had and, and you, you start reaching out from these things for these things and you end up being completely like out of yourself and out of your own person and, and you don't you can't even recognize who you are anymore because right. you've spent so much time trying to chase some just contrived like goalpost that doesn't exist. I like that contrived you know? goalpost. Have you seen these Britney Spears videos lately? No, but the, I started that, seeing like posts. Yeah, about like this hashtag stuff. free Britney. <laughs> I mean, she's always she's been in a lot of through a lot of struggles. It's and again, dark. It's, it's pretty dark, man. It doesn't matter how many dollars you have or how much any of that stuff. It, it's proven itself over and over again that that can be some of the most isolating and 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 just horrendous. Uh, conditions to live in but everybody wants it yeah everybody wants acknowledgement everybody thinks thinks they they want it it. and when you have it and i i feel like even uh in like i said in small senses you see bands that might get locally popular it messes with your head it starts to make you think your shit doesn't stink or if you have a successful business you think that like, oh, well, I'm doing this right and this person isn't because their business. Right. Like, what the I fuck read a good compliment of my business online. Mean? What does that even mean? Right. You have more dollars. You do more like what it, is the actual It reminds value? me of that movie Almost Famous. Mm-hmm. Same thing, man. Yeah. The, it, it just the real value and, and real truth in life is not in a measurable way. You can't show, oh, I have this much money or I, I have this many things. You know, it's, it's in your day to day you know, performance in, in the way you interact with people and, and, and 
you know, just your humanity. Those are the things that matter. You know, that's nobody's nobody cares when you're dead about how many things you bought or how much you contributed to uh, your 401k or any of that stuff. It it just doesn't matter. And 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 not to say that we shouldn't work hard and strive for things, but but I think that that we've somehow in America and maybe this this COVID um, making every a lot of people sit at home for a few months and and have to sit with themselves and think about like, well, is it important that I I work all the time, or is it important that I talk to my kids or, or to, my, funny, to my grandparents? It's funny or, you, you should know? say that because this, this COVID thing has affected me deeply, very yeah, I remember deeply. remember you saying man. that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, we, we reach certain points in life where we reflect on um, our family and our, 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 our jobs and what we, we uh, put our time into, um, friends, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you you look at the the things that give you fulfillment, and that's why I started this podcast. And yeah. uh, I, I realized that you know I'm not doing this for fame or glory, but it fills my cup to sit down and talk with you and hear about the cool exactly. things that you're doing, right? Yeah. And you know what you were talking about reminds me of the Jim Carrey quote. And I don't know if you've heard this, uh, but he says, "I my wish is for everybody." that wants to be rich and famous to get rich and famous for them to realize that that is not, not the answer. Where is that? Where is that? Yeah. It's, it's absolutely true. And I mean, he can speak from experience in that case. Right. It's not somebody that's like, well, you're fucking poor. So yeah, right. of course you can yeah. act like it doesn't matter. Most people I think that have achieved financial success or success, quote unquote, in whatever ways will have a very humbling uh, response to what, a person striving for that thinks is, Oh, you must be happy. <laughs> I mean, some of the happiest people I know have none of those things that we would ascribe to success and, and they live and in, in, in focus on things that are vastly different than, than what we culturally have, have put value on, you know? And I think that's, just something we all need to think about more and, and and it doesn't mean that you sit back and don't work hard and I love working I love everything I do but you have to you have to address all of these different aspects of each of us and, and really cultivate all of it and 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 not just the dollars and cents or the the accolades you know because those things matter uh, but but not as much as we all want them to sometimes sure so let's talk a little bit more about your studio and the collaborative process. You showed me, I mean, you gave me the tour just the other mm-hmm. week. And I yeah, got to tell you, great. there's there's something very intentional about that space. And, and while, you know, the listener listening to this might not necessarily understand, you know, you walk into your studio and, and there's this just this soft silence there. And it's just, it's almost very meditative in a sense. And I'm, I'm actually a little jealous that that's what you get to walk into every day. Yeah. Well, but, I, I, I you know, it's it for granted, unfortunately. Well, it's, it, it's interesting. I mean, because you talk about almost the happenstance of life, you know, you just mm-hmm. got to flow and you got to reposition yourself and allow yourself to be creative and, and mm-hmm. make changes. Right. But I walk into the space and it's very almost tightly controlled, even though nobody's in it. Right. Yeah, I think there's definitely something that I've learned in my life so far about having dreams and as crazy as they sound, not if if you believe in them to be able to kind of like meditatively keep thinking about it and keep coming back to those things. When I was like 17, I had this uh, it sounded it, it sounded completely ridiculous. I was like, I want to find a place where we can make music and we can whoever we is live together and do all this stuff. And, and it just seemed like, well, that's yeah, that's nice idealistic bullshit. But like, how is that going to happen? And I, but I kept kind of saying that and repeating that in the back of my mind. You consider that like a self affirmation? Yeah, maybe in some ways. And, and then five years later, six years later, I'm at a building walking into an old church and seeing this place and being like, this is, this this is, is what I was talking about. This is it. Like, and I knew ex- immediately like that that was 
what I had been saying in my head in a manifested way. You turned a church into a recording studio and that in itself sounds super cool. Yeah. Well, and it's honestly, it's, it's happened a lot of times over the course of, you know, history of, of church buildings being repurposed for something, you know, think about St. Andrew's hall in Detroit. It's an old church. Think about, I didn't know that. There's a lot of, a lot of facilities, music venues, uh, recording studios that have been converted from an old church or, or some sort of space similar to that. So, you know, it's another thing that I'm a real fan of is like repurposing buildings, you know, instead of rip it down, start fresh, build a new thing to, to really kind of embrace in a historical sense, like the space that was there before and what was happening there before. And a church to me is like a beautiful, beautiful space that, uh, you know, regardless of your feelings about religion is, a something that genuinely, generally is a positive space. It's a, it's a, it's a good, good, vibe as a you know churches tend to exist in the way of trying to do something positive you know they're celebrating life or celebrating you know the passing of a life or a new life or you know a, a marriage. marriage or or whatever it is and, and and i think that was really baked into those walls of that place and i remember like you said you you got there and you felt a you know not I felt it man <laughs> i know it sounds hippy dippy but i walked in and it was like Whoa, it, it yeah. was, it, it felt very reverent. Yeah, and, and, and that's a real thing, you know, and I think that that sort of energy, you know, if you understand how just on an atomic level how we work, there's vibrations and there's, you know, these atoms vibrating and, right. and they take up space by moving back and forth and, and, and music is, and sound is all vibrations, Right. That's all it is. It's actually not, there isn't a sound wave. It's just a wave of sound wor- propagating through air. Do like you, water. Su- based on what you just said, do you subscribe to this idea that we as humans vibrate at a certain level as well, at a certain frequency? Yeah, I, I believe at least in a general sense about, uh, you know, being in phase or being in on the, a good vibration frequency or, or something, you know, it, it, it's hard to to connect maybe the theoretical and literal ways that that happens. But I think it's more because we just don't understand it, but we can sense it. Right. It's easier to maybe sense things and, and then, then be able to mathematically draw an equation or write up an equation that says, Oh, well see, this is why I did the right <laughs> things. And this is, but, but there is something to it and you can, you can sense it as a, person yourself when you just are like man this is just everything's feeling good serendipity all of a sudden happens and i ran into this guy and then this person met and, <laughs> and and in the same way you can tell kind of inherently when you're not on the right path and you might not want to acknowledge it but you can kind of deep down a lot of times sense like this is probably not the right thing and i lied to myself on it for a long time and now i'm going to acknowledge it and change hopefully we all get to that point of of acknowledgement, but, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a super believer in it because it's literally how music is created about harmony and, and dissonance and, and how that affects how we feel, you know? So it's not just about music necessarily. It's about harmony and in, in your day to day life. Yeah, it's, it's, I feel like things are all connected. You know, the idea that, that we try to segment things out and, and, and understand the world as these, disparate pieces and not i think it's a very western approach right you look at eastern approaches to medicine even you know in the western approach you're looking at it as we're going to solve the symptoms by giving you something and an eastern approach is like well you've got to get your chi in balance sure <laughs> you've got to make sure it's, that it sounds funny to us but i mean who are we to laugh right yeah exactly and 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 so no i i i'm a more and more as time's gone on, I'm, I'm a believer in, in, in trying to understand the interconnectedness of things or just be present and acknowledge when you can sense that or you, you, you feel disconnected from it. 
but no, I agree with that a hundred percent. I'm totally picking up what you're putting down because it's also like this idea of like feng shui, right? Mm -hmm. Like I realize, like when you have a clean and orderly place, which mine isn't, you know, often mine wasn't for a there's long a time. certain feeling that you get, mm -hmm. but that also you can apply that to your life. You know what I mean? Your relationships, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, I mean, the, the punctuality of your, your responses, you're mm -hmm. like, I feel good. I check that off the yeah. list. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's really it's a really interesting thing to think about all of that because I remember when we first got that place going, I had two business partners and one of them was a very straight-laced for the most part kind of guy. He was a little older than us and he would just incessantly be upset about the place isn't clean and this and I'm a 23 4 year old kid and like, I don't give a fuck about that I'm trying to make my music this is what's cool and this is what I believe in and I'm confident because when you're young you're confident because sure. you're not smart enough to realize confidence of youth anything. baby <laughs> <laughs> and as you get older you start being like oh man and looking back at that you know now that we the business and the facility has really matured it is clean and it is all those things that I kind of used to like Take for granted. I know that and just think like, well, that's what old people, that's what my parents want. They want me to ha clean my room and they want me to put my toys away and they want me to. But there's a reason. <laughs> it's not that they're just trying to ruin your life. They're, they're actually trying to there's show less, you there's, something there's, that they've learned. There's very you simple, know? practical, yeah, deep lessons in there. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah and it, absolutely. It, it's crazy to think about because like you said, now I, I walk through that place and yeah, things will get messy or whatever, but it, it's it's in a completely different class of professionalism and, 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 and maturity as a business than it was before, you know, and, and part of that is in the beginning, we lived in the basement. The basement had four apartments and the upstairs part of the church had the studio. So do you feel like, uh, that transparency that, that you advocate, do you feel like it's helped you as a, as a business owner operate and communicate with, with, communicate sounds very stiff but like the the people that come in and, and record and yeah especially especially in the music industry because there is so much deception in a way and I, I can only speak about my industry but I imagine that there's elements of that in all industries but especially in music there's a lot of promises to young artists or hey this is going to happen and we're going to make you this you're going to be famous you know this is going to happen and and that to me has always been kind of a disgusting way to approach things because i feel like the people that are purveying that sort of thought know that that's not the case and that they're selling a dream as opposed to selling a reality with elaborate on that how do how do you mean by that well, I mean, there's producers I know that will say, oh, I have this person and I'm going to connect you with this. And, and people imagine like I'm going to go into a recording studio and now it's going to be I'm going to be something's going to happen. And the reality of it is, is that most likely nothing is going to happen. And, and to sell the idea of you're going to hit the lottery if you come here and hang out is bullshit. It, it's not accurate. And it's also not how anything works. You know, it works from putting in time and effort and having some luck, but having the right things at the right time. You know, you, you, you could, we've made records that I thought were amazing that nobody listens to and that's okay. But, but selling an idea that you know isn't accurate is to me, it's, it's not an acceptable way to work in music or really any industry. And, as a culture at my company, like I've always pushed everyone to be as open and transparent as possible because those are the fundamentals that help kind of create a fertile ground so that businesses can be incubated and built with trust. And instead of having to have contracts and NDAs and all of these things, what's, to be able what, to take a what's NDA mean? Non-disclosure agreement. Okay. So just... It's just an example of like you can spend a lot of time trying to define what your roles are and who's controlling what. And I own 10% of this company and you do. And, and if you start with, a, instead, if you start with a, a 
from a place of trust and, and, and real transparency and belief that if I do make some money off of this or if you do make some money off of this idea that we're going to share in that and we're going to be honest about how much we're getting paid and how much money is coming into the system that you can forego a lot of those things in the incubation period of something mm -hmm. which actually allows it to get to the point where it does matter to have a contract and does matter to have an understanding and a lot of people argue with me and say that's wrong you need to have a contract from day one my dad would he'd be screaming at me right now saying you see this is what i talk about you fucking get it you know lay it out understand and 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 I feel like that can be uh, a real hindrance and it can be paralyzing in an entrepreneurial standpoint when you need to be able to move quickly and move forward and, and have a, again, a culture of like transparency where we trust one another and we've established that over a long period. And it's not something that you just, you know, we all keep our cards close to our chest and we all like, have our secrets and, and I can tell you something I'm not going to tell this person something it, 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 there is advantages to it in the short term but in the long term i think it's corrosive to any like successful business that's a great point and i think it's uh i think it's really important especially in the music industry because pol people do have these delusions of grandeur right yeah, we all they come in and they're like I'm going to kill it. You know, I'm a great guitar player. Or I have, I have yeah. this great voice and, and people lie to them and they say, Oh, you guys are, you know, you're going to make yeah. this great album or whatever it may be. And you have to be transparent in the sense where you have to be like, you know, Hey, this is it, what's going to happen. It's not to say that you shouldn't encourage people's dreams. Correct. Right. I agree it, with that. It's to say that you shouldn't use easy carrots to hang in front of them to say like, Hey, I know fucking Eminem. I know whoever it is and people do and that. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to, and if you give me five grand to make these and, and people songs, do that, just of course all the time. There's, I know without knowing that it happens in every industry. If you are related to the Ford family, yeah. <laughs> you can probably leverage that name to say like, Oh, well, I could always take this to bill Ford and you know, you never know. Yeah. And, and you could leverage that connection when in reality, there's nothing that, is going to come of knowing this person, but, but you can leverage that and you can be non-transparent about like, you know what I, I could, I know I'm related, but he doesn't believe anything I say. I'm an alcoholic, you know, I'm just a, I'm the <laughs> but black you're not sheep. being a salesman, Chris, you're not being a <laughs> yeah. salesman. <laughs> but but it's, like I said, it's not to, to say that you shouldn't be excited or encourage people about their dreams or even if you don't believe in it, you know, like, Go back to Greta Van Fleet. I love those kids. I love the Kiskas. I love everything that, that who they are as people. But when I met them, I thought they were really talented young kids, but they were also 15 or 16. So who knows what's going to happen? Maybe one of them decides he wants to get married and the band's over or, or whatever. But But I didn't have to sell them on some fantasy you know and they already had that they had the dream just like i did and every other person that's ever made music gotta, you gotta that have the dream something's gonna happen gotta have the dream but but i didn't think that they were gonna blow up and become a known entity i Wait. also didn't know <laughs> that they weren't but i didn't i try not to focus on that and try to focus on the immediate and talk to them about process and that you know, these things happen over time and you need to keep working and you need to keep focusing and, and, and not get, you know, distracted by the shiny things and, I and focus on, 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 hey, this is great. You're doing a great job, but, but it's not a, there's not an easy sort of thing to this. And that's not, e that, that's not great to say when you're trying to sell someone on something. You know, you want to say, this is the solution right here. You hang out with me at the studio. I know these people. I can make it famous. Yeah, and it's bullshit. <laughs> and, and that's just, if you work in the industry, you know that is a truth. That, so let know. me ask you a question about Greta Van Fleet. I, I do like Greta Van, Greta Van Fleet very much. Um, but those kids with that sound, they sound just like Led Zeppelin. I mean, we've talked about this last time we hung out. Mm -hmm. We both agree on this. Do you think that was a sound that they naturally gravitated towards, or do you think that was cultivated by the parents, maybe, of our I, younger I think generation? it was absolutely an organic thing that happened. I think they grew up in Frankenmuth. I think their parents 
played them music that they loved. Classic rock would be the genre that they were listening to and that they understood and that they love. And, and any artist early in their career is a reflection of that. The next thing to happen for them, hopefully, is that they continue to grow into who they are, you know? It's, it's never a bad thing to have influences, you know, and they clearly have them. And they clearly think that, and I would support them in this, that they don't think they sound like Led Zeppelin. Because to them, it, it, you know, their viewpoint is not the way I see it or the way you see it, where you're like, oh, well, this is fucking Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I, I would play some of my songs for people, and they'd be like, oh, this sounds like this band, and I'd be infuriated because I would say, like, no, this is not that. Like, just because you need to put me into some little box so you can understand what it is. So let me ask. So you have these groups like Greta Van Fleet coming into the studio. You have other bands that want to be the next biggest thing. And they're excited about it, but you might not be excited about it. But do you still have to put on that face? I think it's, I don't think it is like, like a binary thing where you have to either be for the music or this is garbage and I don't want to do it. Right. You can understand the reality of it and understand that they believe in what they're doing and they're talented and they might have things that they need to do better. But that's why I always say it's a process. No matter what level you're at in music or in life or in business, it's something you're constantly developing and working on. So it's not a, hey, you know, and, and again, perfect example is I wouldn't have bet the farm on Greta Van Fleet. And I should have, <laughs> right? <laughs> I was wrong. They were right. Their dreams flew in the face of what I thought was a safe bet. Oh, well, maybe we find this guy that's like rapping that has, uh, you know, he sounds like Kanye. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? It's I like love the a, voice. <laughs> yeah. It's I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. It's like the voice of the, not, the, the, the pseudo knowledge. <laughs> right. but, but I know it, what's worked in the past. That's, that's what's great about art is that it constantly kind of humbles you to know that like, Shouldn't I know? Shouldn't I be able to pick out the next big thing? Right. Like, this is what I do for a living. What right. kind of fucking failure can't hang out with those guys and be like, this is going to blow the fuck up? <laughs> I couldn't. I didn't see that. I didn't, didn't mean I didn't like what they were doing or respect them. I just didn't, you know, and it's also where they were at. A few years later, they're working with Al Sutton. Al has done this before with bands. He's worked with, you know, he was Who's there. Al Sutton? Al Sutton is a producer in Detroit. He uh, has a studio in Royal Oak called Rust Belt. He's a very prolific uh, producer, engineer. He has uh, equipment. Uh, he's, he's building audio gear also. Uh, I think it's Acme Audio is his company. But he, he's been, you know, successful with taking bands from nothing into something. He's, he participated with Kid Rock from the very beginning. Super cool. And and followed that all the way through. And he's worked with tons of artists. And, and, and he's somebody that I would trust his word over mine because he has a proven track record of betting on the right horse, if you will, you know? That's super and, cool. And <clears throat> that, that's to me like where you can pick people and say people like Jason Flom, who is also involved. He's a big record label guy. And, you know, these, these Clive Davises of the world. Well, how come they keep getting hit well maybe they do have some sense that's better than my spidey sense you know like, yeah and, and that's just acknowledgement of your track record and, and most people don't have that it's a really rare thing to to actually be able to to see into the future in that way and not just be lucky and attached to something that blew up so i have two final questions for you and one of them is based on your experience uh the people you've interacted with um how would you like to see your studio evolve in the future? Hmm. That's a good question. <clears throat> I mean, I'm pretty happy with where we're at, but I, I think I just want to continue to be an incubator for creativity, however that manifests itself, whether it's with music or film or art or a combination of those or something that doesn't even exist right now as a platform. And to, to, you know, continue with, I went to a city meeting a long time ago when I was 
kind of fighting with the city about what this place was. You know, we had this old church, and they're like, "What? What's happening here?" And I, I presented this. I prepared a statement. I went and talked to them. I said, "I want to develop the cultural, creative, and educational elements of the city, and I want to be a, a member and a participant in the community." And I feel like if we can continue to do that and continue to help people build their own dreams and careers and, and, and creative, you know, output, then as long as we stay true to that, that I'll be happy regardless of how that plays itself out. Very cool. You might have to give me a nod into the Rotary Club. <laughs> I can sponsor you now. I, I wouldn't peg you for a Rotary Club guy, but that's pretty sweet. Uh, my my last question that I like to ask at the very end is, if you were to go on a road trip today, or if you were hanging out on a Sunday at the house, what album would you put on? What artist would you listen to? Oh yeah, you did. I was supposed to think about this. Too. I I gave it to you. I'm 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 very disappointed. Really you don't have a profound me. answer. But really no, I mean, me at the end of the day, dude, I think that music is something that connects us all. And earlier we were talking about vibrations as as metaphysical and hippy dippy as that can sound. But I mean, we've all been to concerts that you just you feel this this thing you can't put your finger on that just kind of raises us all up and you feel this euphoric feeling and all, all ideas of, of race and, and, and whatever else just kind of dissolve. Right. Yeah. So, so what well, I, is I think that? I told you did, last did, time. Did I talk not, long enough for you to come up with an answer? <laughs> I was really <laughs> shuffled through my mental Rolodex. Okay, of music okay. You got an answer? But yeah. I told you last week. I, I mean, I'm, no, I'm I don't want to hear your last week answer. I'm I want to know I'm, what your I'm this a, week answer is. I'm a is. very, uh, present, sort of person with music because I've fallen in love with so many different artists and at different times I could list dozens of artists that I've loved and I still love and I was into this and I couldn't stop listening to but honestly is what I told you last week you know George Clinton par- <laughs> Parliament Funkadelic I want I want to hear absolutely. you say it though <laughs> it's, it's absolutely right now George Clinton Parliament Funkadelic um that's some th- old school profound, shit to be super yeah. into right now yeah and, and but to me it's as new school as it gets because I really didn't appreciate it or pay attention to it at the time and that's to me what I love so much about music is is it's not you don't have to pay attention to it right now. You can discover art whenever you're ready, whether it's a painting or a piece of music or a great book or a great podcast. Fuck you can, yeah. You can discover those things yeah. when you're ready and they're there waiting for you and, and, and they're not mad that you haven't paid attention to them earlier. I wanted to say something profound follow-up, <laughs> but I'm going to end it right there. That was perfect. Thanks, right. guys. Later. Thanks, Chris.